When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Scott McKesh is an award-winning LGBTBE certified business leader, communicator, brain health specialist, and one of the notable pioneers of the mental fitness movement in the U.S. Having founded 40 Fit Mental Fitness in 2016 to proactively promote mental health and well-being. In 2021, Scott published his first book titled My Brain Can't Poop, a mental fitness guide for humans to promote the critical importance of brain health, mental function, and neurodiversity. Well, Scott, thanks so much for joining us today on The Art of Seeing Clearly. I can't wait to dive in and learn about you, your businesses, and how you think about not just what you're doing in business to help other people, but really, I mean, that's your philosophy for how you think in life as well. So I'm going to dive in and start with your business, uh, one of your businesses. Now, do you just have the one now, or are you still doing the two? Uh, That's kind of a loaded question. (laughs) So sorry to start yeah, off with a difficult main, one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as most entrepreneurs will know, um, you know, uh, sometimes you have a few wheels going to kind of keep the ship afloat. So my main focus really is my 40 fit mental fitness uh, okay. um, practice. Um, and related to that, I've been working part-time as a personal care assistant for okay. a family whose parent is living with dementia. So it definitely fits into the kind of brain health, mental fitness realm and, and is associated with what I do on kind of my whole journey to get here. Previously, a lot of my career has been marketing communication. So, you know, obviously producing my own marketing communications is great, but I, I still pick up a project here and there for people that just know me from that world. So. So, yes, you I have so I, many I, talents. I mean, if people would get to know you and look you up online and I hope reading your book, I mean, your talents and skills, you've got so many different ones. So it's like to be able to use them in so many capacities to help lead and guide where your heart and your mind want to take um, your business and and help others. So let's talk about that 4D mental fitness. That is and you've been uh, you started that. Oh, what, six or seven years ago or so? Yeah. So the idea 
you know, the, the seed was planted around 2016 okay. and I was reading or reading, I was leading a um, youth art mentor program at the time called Art Buddies and was uh, executive director of that. And at the time, there's kind of a backstory with the 4D that really stands for, you know, the fourth dimension kind of beyond the 3D of what we can see. So really getting at the mind and the inner workings of of ourselves. So that's, oh, I love, that's I the love intention. That. Yeah, but I also turned 40 when, <laughs> when <laughs> I, I realized, you know, like I'm not getting any younger you know, we have to really take care of ourselves proactively um, because you st start to feel the kinks and and impact of stress much more, you know, as as you both deal with a lot more stress, but the wear and tear on your body just compounds and increases as you age. So um, I earned my personal training certification around the age of 40, just for myself. I was thinking maybe I'll get into practice and, and really help empower other people to take care of themselves but through that journey and just through my career as well, there wasn't a lot of education or information about what really drives motivation. So, you know, using a personal trainer, you need somebody to kick you in the butt. People need accountability and all that good stuff. But really getting down to, as a human being, really what is driving our motivation and what's getting in the way of our motivation, especially when it comes to taking care of ourselves, that should be a priority. Like it, it started to make me really step backwards and think, uh, you know, working backwards, what's influencing motivation that absolutely applied to the work I did with art buddies to provide mentor programs, to provide creativity as, as a, as a building block of self-esteem of, of creative skills, of creative abilities, of building that that perception of self that is very empowering about what you can do and how you can bring your ideas to life. Um, so really using that with kids, it was there was a huge psychological impact. But again, when we get down to the neurology of it, realizing all of those brains, whether they're little or they're in adult bodies, they're all as diverse as the bodies themselves. And so realizing... Um, whether there were kids who were on the autism spectrum or were coming from, you know, traumatic backgrounds or, or different life experiences that really impaired their, their mental cognitive development. You know, we can't, we don't really know what's going on until we ask questions, kind of dig deeper, maybe observe behaviors and that sort of thing. Um, and so it just made, it led me to this path of wanting to focus on brain health, mental function, neurodiversity, and mental fitness from a proactive preventive um capacity. So I love I love that word proactive. It's actually my word of the year. So <laughs> for 2023 that's been my word of the year. I want to be proactive versus reactive and so how can in my life and in my business um you know be looking ahead so I can be more proactive and plan. Yes, I'm a planner, but that's that's very similar in what you're, you know, whatever area of of health and wellness you're talking about too, whether it's mental fitness, your physical fitness, it's like how are you going to be proactive to make those goals, those goals reach. And you're speaking to to me and I, I, even though we're in these very different industries, you're speaking to me and you're completely speaking my language. Absolutely. <laughs> taking care of yourself, whether I've got on the medical side, whether it's skin, eyes, age, reading vision, it's like, how do you take care of yourself? And don't you want to? And how can we provide those tools 
your tools are a little different than my tools, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to head and heart on whether we're successful. Absolutely. And, and that that good old nervous system, you know, our neurology. So whether it comes to whatever senses we're speaking of, whether it's our vision, our hearing, our taste, our smell, our physical touch, whatever it is, it's all impacting our physiology and our neurochemistry and how we perceive the world and how we perceive life and how we navigate it. You know, yeah, and, how we navigate and, it. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, and so that's where I really wanted to break the fitness paradigm, because I, I still run into that, even though we're we're taking steps and I'm hearing the term mental fitness used a lot more now these so, days. OK, what, what does you have to explain to me and for our listeners, yeah. what does mental fitness mean and how is it different yeah. from physical fitness? Absolutely. So think about physical fitness um, as a supplement supporting proactively your physical health and well-being. And mental fitness is a way to proactively, preventively support your mental health. Unfortunately, and, and this could be a whole other conversation in itself, is what why why do we prioritize the body over the mind? Just how our healthcare system is designed. Do you see that? Do you see that transforming? Do you think people are seeing more the need to have that mental wellness and health as much as the physical? Do you yeah. do you see a transformation happening at all? The conversations are happening Um, systemically, not yet, Um, because again, mental health care really isn't usually covered under health insurance. Um, And so it's, it's still treated as a separate thing. Um, And so that again, but that's such a big, just healthcare system issue. So from an individual perspective, the conversations are happening, the education, it really starts from education, right? It really, even being proactive, you can't be proactive unless you really know how, what to anticipate, like, mm-hmm. you know, from experience, from education um, to think two steps ahead and say, oh, I really want to be ahead of that thing that I know could happen. But, um, and unfortunately, again, we can be very reactive because we don't anticipate that thing happening. So when it happens and we're not prepared for it and how to deal with it. Absolutely. And so I think again, that silver lining of, of, you know, the pandemic and hopefully, you know, with most of, of life crises that the outcome really can be, what did you learn from that experience and Mm -hmm. how can we learn from history? We can learn from our past. We can learn how to anticipate those things. But again, the world moves so fast and tech technology moves so fast. And, and so much, you know, again, is um, for better or worse is money driven. It's not necessarily health outcomes driven. And so, you know, we can end up in a situation where we're being reactive, trying to heal and repair our health from these unhealthy factors that we did not anticipate an unhealthy outcome. Who is 40 mental fitness who is it for yep. who is your target audience yeah so to your point you know it 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 applies to everything and so much and and again it can be very deeply personal it can get become very um even very philosophical so i try to keep it very scientific um even when we're asking a lot of these very difficult questions to ask you know uh, how how to prioritize mental health and kind of what's getting in our way but really again going back to the brain and thinking neurologically my target audience and my um primary clientele is working with organizations 
to really reach people where they're at and to leverage the resources that already exist. So how much money, you know, is being spent on physical fitness programs is being spent on physical health insurance, you know, wellness programs, diversity. Let's be real. So many people don't, don't do those things either. So they're not hitting their physical fitness. So if they're not physically healthy, it's hard to be mentally healthy. And it just goes in this wrap around circle. It's a cycle, right? So it is um, kind of getting back, you know, to that whole kind of understanding that pretty much everything we're doing, whether it's um, in healthcare, it's in education, you know, in politics, in DEI, which is diversity, equity, inclusion for anybody who doesn't, you know, isn't familiar with the acronym, um, you know, or health, wellness, fitness, all of that, really the ultimate aim is we're trying to influence healthful outcomes and behaviors. And so really that's kind of getting back to what's driving those behaviors um, is our brain and our nervous system. So working with organizations, it's really kind of connecting the dots that they're doing all of these different parts, but without the awareness of how stress and how our nervous system impacts all of that and how a lot of us aren't even aware of how our own nervous system is operating. And until we're aware of our own nervous system, our neurochemistry, and kind of how we're functioning, it's really hard to understand somebody else. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. And so that's kind of where I start is just that education, um, which is training, instruction. So from a fitness perspective, you know, again, it's it's that education. So what does, does, you know, are there different levels of mental fitness that you need to achieve and go through? What are those? Yeah, absolutely. So again, with my background, when I developed 40 Fit Mental Fitness, I basically thought, okay, again, this can be such a complex and complicated topic and not everybody loved biology. You know, like not everybody likes to talk about mm-hmm. the brain and organs and nervous systems and all that. And it can become very complicated. So with the physical fitness realm, I studied through the National Academy of Sports Medicine when I, I got my personal training certification. And I basically took how we approach fitness from a physical perspective um, with frameworks that really get at at your neurology and your nervous system. So the practices uh, of balance, flexibility, rest and recovery, and strength and endurance, I take those exact concepts and apply them to brain health and mental function. Because again, we're talking about the same nervous system. It's just a different organ that is being influenced. So the first level is balance, you know, realizing, accepting, where are you, how are, how are you positioned? What, what stress are you carrying? What sort of, sort of support do you need in that moment to kind of achieve that balanced state, whether that's neurochemical from an emotional support perspective, from a mental health perspective, and then building on that from, then you get into flexibility, which is really about challenging your system in healthful ways to kind of challenge, you know, and fo- kind of uh, proactively, intentionally promote that adaptation. So we're challenging ourselves and stressing our system to a point where, again, I don't like some of the terms that are being used, like get comfortable with discomfort, because even with that, discomfort is a stress state and you're not supposed to stay there. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so again, think flexibility, think I, mm-hmm. I am stretching myself to a point and I come back to a relaxed, safe space. And so I like that stretching myself and you stretch and you grow 
You're never going to go back to where you were. You're only going to keep, and then you, you use those neurons and now you have this like ability the next time it happens to like, Oh, I can stretch and grow a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you said grow too, to what I really stress is or reinforce just so we don't get (laughs) confused with the words I'm using, but um, the importance of rest and recovery, that that is the growth phase. And again, with our culture, with our kind of stress driven, there aren't enough hours in the workday, work, 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 you know, that rest and recovery kind of gets kicked to the curb. That's kind of the first thing to go. And to really realize whether we're talking about our muscles from a physical fitness perspective, our skeletal structure, our brain, our heart health, you know, whatever organ, whatever our physiology, that that rest and recovery is the point that your body catches up and repairs itself to adapt to grow, to go to that next level. And without that rest and recovery period, we're just putting wear and tear on our body and our system that that degrades it. On our brain and our stress levels and all of those. Yep. Um, And then ultimately, you know, getting to the strength and endurance level. So the ultimate, you know, a lot of times that's where people want to jump to. I want to be strong. I want to endure. I want to be resilient. Right. But then again, you know, really kind of understanding those terms again, that strength is really knowing what are your limits from how much stress you can take Mm -hmm. and knowing, you know, I, again, I, I use that fitness paradigm in the physical fitness realm too, to say, you don't go walk into the gym and pick up the heaviest weight possible and hold it there forever. Like you have to know what your Mm -hmm. strength level is and you have to know what your endurance level is. And your endurance is how long can you maintain that stress before you need a break, before you need to rest, you know, like Mm -hmm. running a marathon um, or working a long workday. So really thinking about when we, when we throw out these terms and we think about, oh, being strong and being resilient and enduring, you know, what does that mean from a, from a neurological scientific perspective to really Mm -hmm. gain some clarity, which is, again, I love the name of your podcast and seeing things clearly, but to really gain clarity of what we're doing to ourselves neurologically and what we need to thrive and optimize to work within our own abilities, because we're not all functioning or we're not all developed the same. We don't all have the same systems and, and capabilities. And so really just as we would in the physical realm, you know, embracing both our strengths and our limitations in the mental neurological realm. So let me throw that back at you. So we talk about physical fitness, mental fitness. So what are some of the top things that you do personally, Scott, that you're like to live and breathe what you speak? What are some of the things you do for Scott to help practice these four levels? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the thing too, is is this is really about repetition and reinforcement that is never ending. I tell people that it, again, different worlds, same language. So I think yeah. it transfers no matter what industry you're in. It all comes down to like habits. It comes down to being consistent, um, having a plan. Yeah. Uh, so, so what do you do Absolutely. for yourself? Well, you know, um, and I have anxiety. I manage my anxiety and it's manifested. I think if we're real, most of us have you know, yeah. certain levels of anxiety. Yeah. How do we manage it? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. To some level. And and to realize how it can manifest in in physical form. So, you know, one of the the toughest lessons for me, even as a mental fitness advocate um, and and practitioner instructor, was I published my first book in at the end of 2021. Yes, we'll talk about that too. But by the way, congratulations, yeah. kudos. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, 
<laughs> so that was just, you know, especially during the pandemic and work pretty much just um, all but just shut down for me. I wasn't really online much and I, I resisted that until I really had to be. Um, just again, I wanted to get people out off of computers, off of their devices. But uh, but here we are, you know, we're, we're really trying to leverage it as a tool, right? But that stress that I put on myself to finish my book by the end of the year, I saw it as this incredible platform, this incredible educational learning tool um, to speak about something that it can be so, again, so complex and so personal and very sensitive for a lot of people and so much stigma around our mental function um, that we often, again, associate with quote unquote willpower and and just kind of manifesting something out of nothing that that we are, we're organisms that need to be nourished. So nothing comes out of nothing. Um, you know, we need the the inputs, the healthful inputs to get mm-hmm. the healthful outcomes. But that that pressure that I put on myself when I published my book and I self-published and um, I didn't hire an editor because for the sake of time, I had lots of friends offering, but you know, it's, it's a pretty lengthy book. And I thought, well, this is a good six months of work. If you're doing this, by the way, what's the, what's the title of your book? You have to tell our listeners the title. I will. So the title is uh, my brain can't poop a mental fitness (laughs) guide for humans. I love it. I mean, (laughs) what a catchy title. People are going to pick that one up and be like, Oh, I want to see what this is about. Why the, why the title? Well, and, and, you know, and I, I, I had feedback. I'm always open to feedback. So again, if anybody has any insights or perspectives to share, you know, I'm always um, open to hear what, how other people think, but, you know, I was told, you know, don't use a negative contraction in your title. It's kind of discouraging, you know, don't use the word poop. It can offend some people, but, um, but really it's tongue in cheek. And, and there are a couple of different reasons for the title. So one of them is to really raise awareness that your brain as an organ is uh, consuming input again. So whether that's neurochemical, it's sensory, it's informational, um, your brain is is consuming and processing all of this information. Um, again, whether it's cellular or informational, just how it's affecting your nerve, nervous system. But we don't have any way like we do with our digestion to just take out the good and eliminate the waste. Eliminate the bad. You know, and we're kind of stuck, especially unconsciously dealing with that the toxicity, the the negative, the stressful um, components that we're consuming. And unless we really make a conscious effort to process that and to allow it to, um, um, you know, work through our nervous system in a healthful way, it can really affect even our, our, our whole body, our, our gut, our heart health. It can affect us. Um, that stress in other ways. So whether it's our skin or our heart or our bone density or whatever, that stress stays in us and in our nervous system with heightened levels of cortisol that put wear and tear in your body. Um, so that's part of it is that that really realizing your brain is an organ that needs to process and quote unquote, digest the stuff that you're processing. Mm-hmm. And then the other part really is, again, equating it to how we think about mental health as something separate from your brain health. And I've, I've experienced this both in my advocacy and work within the mental health sector and in the brain health sector, in the dementia and Alzheimer's sector, where, where they're two different worlds and they don't, we, we still, even professionally, there's, there aren't a lot of people who connect mental health and well-being with brain health and function. Even when it comes to suicide prevention, there's not a lot of dialogue and understanding neurologically and neurochemically from a brain health and function perspective, how 
how, how they manifest into these mental health outcomes. Um, and to, you know, equate that to how we talk about gut health and digestive health, that we don't separate digestive health from gut health. You know, we don't separate the, the organ from the function. And so if we really think about the brain as the organ and the mind as the mm -hmm. function, um, that we need to be talking about it as, as one thing, you know, that mental health really is brain health. Mm -hmm. um, so what's something you did today for, for you that like set you up for like, Hey, this is how I set Scott up for success today. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of them was having this call. So I mean, reach, you know, reaching <laughs> absolutely like reaching out to people, having something to look forward to, you know, again, it promotes serotonin and dopamine. What was really hard on everybody during the pandemic was it was really hard to have anything to look forward to. You know, it, it was this constant question of, of what's tomorrow going to bring and a lot of negative unknowns, very, a lot of stress without a lot of hope and optimism. Um, and so for me, you know, trying to be aware of how I'm feeling in the moment too. So what I like to use as, as kind of a metaphor or kind of a symbol at different events that I use is, you know, those, some people call them Chinese handcuffs or the, the paper handcuffs, the finger handcuffs, Okay. um, that where it's, it's, um, a lot of times bamboo that's, that's, um, kind of braided. And then you put your fingers in it and the harder you pull your fingers apart, the tighter that grip is on, uh, on that lock. So similarly, when we increase stress in our system, when we think I have to do this, I have to get through this, it's kind of counterintuitive to think that the way to relieve stress is to just kind of realize that it's there and to say, it's okay. Like, I don't have to fight against it. I need to acknowledge that it's there and find a way to whether it's through breathing or through meditation or taking a walk or talking with a friend, how do we engage that part of our nervous system that just allows us to process that stress rather than thinking, Oh, I, you know, I need to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm just going to pound the pavement and, and, you know, kind of the no pain, no gain. Yeah. Um, I think, I think what you're, what you're saying, you know, too, is really applicable to, um, some of our, our listeners, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, those kind of things, because this is a part that we're, you know, uh, go, 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 go. Um, we can't show this side or we shouldn't show this side and we need to be performers and we need to be producing and we're constantly working. So I think it's a good wake up call for us on what are we doing outside of, of work and physical activity that's trying to help set our minds up in the right spot for yeah. stressors and challenges? Because if we're not, our bodies are going to go down too. Right. Which then makes yeah. us not a not great leader for anything that we're doing, whether it's home, work, community. Absolutely. Again, I mean, we can only hold that stress for so long, right? Mm. And and to really differentiate, you know, there's healthful stress. So not all stress is bad. You know, exactly. That you, that's that'd be unrealistic. Yeah, right. I mean, our body, it, it again, you, it's thinking of it in terms of of is it healthful for you? You know, it's very similar to food. So I mean, there there are foods that are great for you, but some people are allergic and it might kill them. So so it's kind of it's not really a one size fits all sort of thing. So really just um giving yourself permission to accept yourself and how you're feeling, 
um, that you don't, you know, have to be perfect. You don't have to be on your best at all times. Um, and just give yourself some grace because the moment you do that, you will feel better and you'll do better, you know, just by saying, Hey, it's okay to, to not, you know, be perfect all the time. It's okay to not know the answer all the time. It's, it's okay to not be able to do something on your own all the time. Like that's, that's a very unhealthy expectation. I want to take you through a, you know, a couple questions, Scott, as we, you know, talk a little bit about you and your background and what, you know, led you to be you there, you know, you came from a family that was a creative family, self-employed, I guess I would say entrepreneurial, and some of them Mm -hmm. still are. How do you feel that that helps set your thought processes up in life for where you wanted to head Um, helpful or maybe like, hey, on the negative side, this also taught me what I wanted to learn. Yeah. Well, people would think automatically assume, oh, you came from entrepreneurial parents. So automatically, you know, they were your role model. And so you want to become an entrepreneur. And it was actually the exact opposite (laughs) because I saw how much they struggled Mm. and did not have. And so growing up, it was very much um, there was a lot of uncertainty around finances, around, you know, when's the next next paycheck coming both of my parents always had more than one job going at a time. Like they always had something on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so being self-employed, I mean, it's, it, it has its, you know, pros and cons and it has its risks and rewards, you know, like anything else in life. So I think for me, I, you know, went into corporate right away after college and felt the safety and security in that, but also the limitation and also, um, the boxes we put ourselves in mm-hmm. when, you know, it's mm-hmm. about what's your role, what's your title, you, you do this, but you don't do that. There are a lot of, you have to fit in on the org chart somewhere, right? Right. Right. And we and, do need those as businesses. We and, do. Right. Right. And what are, and what are your duties? So, uh, you know, and in a large organization, I mean, I, I, I think there's a sweet spot, whether it's large or small, I think there's that sweet spot where you learn from your employees you see where their strengths are, right? Like if you really, Mm -hmm. if you get out of that box checking realm, I mean, obviously we have tasks, we have duties, we're hired to do a specific job. But through that, you know, we get to know each other and we get to know ourselves and we get to develop our skills. And as we develop and grow, fortunately, I was in, you know, a a job where, again, there was some flexibility in when people saw where my strengths were, even though I was told at the beginning, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. So don't put too much, which I don't necessarily advocate for. I mean, put yourself out there and just learn how to say no, right? Because you can't do it all. Okay. I want to get that to, that brings up another point Yeah, because you also have a a story about sometimes where we might say no, instead of saying yes. How do you guide people through, you know, with, with, that story of yours, which I'd like you to, you know, possibly share, but should people be saying yes more? Should they be saying no more in order to achieve these goals in life? Because we're told both things and it's a little bit of a dichotomy. If we say no, we're opening us up to opportunities. But if we don't say, like, if we say yes, we might be doing too much and stressing ourselves out too much. So what's the right balance? Yeah. Balance is the key, right? So again, it gets down to the individual. Like you as an individual, someone might have to say no to something that somebody else would say yes to. 
Um, so it's not always necessarily say yes all the time or say no all the time, but to know yourself enough to know, you know, is this something that is, is healthful for me? It's a healthful challenge. Um, even though I might be a little scared or intimidated by it, it's, it's something that could help me grow. Or is this something that's really a risk? Like I'm at my bandwidth. I really can't take on anything, anything more. And I, um, it could inhibit me from, from things I want to accomplish from the rest of my life and what I want to get done. Um, with with your, uh, you know, you had a story about not saying yes to being asked to professionally perform and, and sing yeah. because yeah. you felt like you might not have had the skills or the talent. Do you, re, yeah. do you regret that? Do you wish that you would have said yes to that? No, you know, I don't. It's really hard for me to even like, I've been asked, you know, what, where, what are some mistakes you made and how did you reconcile that? And I, I just, I personally, I don't think it's healthy to really get hard on yourself and ruminate about mistakes and regrets and what if, what if, what if. Um, but I will say the reasoning behind that is because um, it was such a unique opportunity mm-hmm. Um when you know i was abroad i ended up in a music video i was approached by the you know because a friend of mine was in the music video and she was a model at the time and so i was brought in as an extra dancer just on the on the last minute because they saw me doing the choreography on the side and afterwards i was approached by the producer if i could sing and i hadn't had any professional training or experience before that i was very musical and i i played in band all through high school but at that point like my my confidence wasn't to the point where I could say yes. And I was in the middle of college. Like I still had two more years of of school to finish. So in my mind, there were a lot of reasons to say no. And I'm glad that I did because now what I know about the music industry is it, it can be very unhealthy. <laughs> and I think we can get blinded by romanticizing certain opportunities or careers or, 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 or lives or successes and not realizing how much stress and unhealthy factors there are to it. So there's so, some there's some stress and risk in in mm-hmm. saying yes to anything, but there's yep. also stress and risk on the backside of saying no. So do you consider yep. yourself a risk taker or are you more of a I'm gonna plan it out cautious guy? I I mean being um, in a music video that had to be a little bit of a risk taking, but yeah, but, yeah. but in well, general, are you like, hey, I I I do yeah. take some risks. Yeah. Um, psychological risks, yes. Health risks, no. Um, and I would say that because, you know, I, I think- What does risk- that mean? What, what does that mean? I yeah, explain right. that. What is, I take psychological risks, but I don't take health risks. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So challenging yourself um, in a way that um, excites you. You know, like there, there is a potential reward, right? Um, and if that- If you say yes, there might be this potential reward to that. Yeah. Right. And I say that from a psychological perspective and even a health perspective that, you know, those, it, it kind of depends on the outcomes, right? So, so, and we can't really, a lot of times we don't have time to do that, like in a moment's notice. So that's why, you know, we do talk a lot about trusting your gut, follow your heart, because your unconscious nervous system is kind of guiding you. 
um, in those moments where your conscious mind can't quite process it all. But that's also, which is why I work with organizations, that's also also where unconscious bias comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, what if it's lying to you? It's just telling you what you want to hear. Right. And that's your comfort zone. Right. And you could be really you could benefit from being challenged. And so it really is. It really is kind of embracing the gray that there's never a black and white and that the the most we can really think about things in terms of healthful versus unhealthful versus it's not good or bad it's it's not good versus evil but is it healthful for you could there be benefits from doing this otherwise you know taking taking risks but again i mean if if the risk is death for me that's i i'm not that kind of person <laughs> like i'm not an adrenaline junkie because and and not to shame anybody who is that is kind of you know a, a risk taker and, and kind of likes to you know explore and kind of uh, challenge themselves in that way. But I will say, I mean, when when death is the risk, I am much less likely to <laughs> go with it. Well, you it's know, just so calculated risks, right? Skydiving, bungee jumping. Yeah, it's more no. likely it's going to hold. Yeah, my nervous system is very loud in that regard. So I mean, when it. <laughs> When so with you know skydiving and bungee jumping, there's no part of me. Maybe that's it'd like, be a way to get the, to the poop that. out of your brain, you know, so that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, scare, the, scare the living bejesus out. Of yeah, it. no, well, it's it's funny you say that because um, I again I think there are nervous systems. Me with my anxiety, like for me, it's just I don't need more stress. Like I'm already managed. So, you know, I'm a big, I love comedies. I love uplifting music, you know, but, but there are people who like dramas and who like violent action thrillers. And for me, it's very anxiety inducing. Whereas like with my husband, he loves playing violent video games and have, you know, watching thrillers where I'll just, you know, there are moments where we will be watching something and I'll say, I just, I, I know it's fake, but I cannot watch that right now because my nervous system is too triggered. And (laughs) So yeah. I just kind of look away or kind of, you know, wait for it to pass. Um, but I think for him, and he is somebody with ADHD has been diagnosed and he manages that. And I yeah. think with his nervous system, those experiences allow his nervous system to kind of shed some of that, that stress. Some of that that's stress. Almost like a virtu- that yeah, it's almost like a virtual way to experience mm-hmm. the stress that, that then. And for that them, gives- that's relaxing. Right. Because you're kind of yeah. in that fight or flight mode. Yeah. And it's almost like you're looking for something to be afraid of. Yeah. And when there's nothing, that's almost scarier than when there's something. So <laughs> to give your nervous system something to be afraid of and say, okay, that's really scary. And now it's over. Like it calms, calms it, you it's down. It's calming for On him. a reverse. Yeah. Scott, what, you know, you've had a lot of experiences in your life and we all have, you know, challenges. We've all had um, ad- adversity, but what do you, you know, what's a challenge that propelled you forward? A story that you could share about something that, you know, this changed about how I thought about things and it changed the course of where I decided to head. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything you could share with us? Yeah. I mean, I think with, like with most people, there are there are nuggets that kind of build mm. and then it's kind of that 
not the last straw because that's kind of a negative metaphor but you know it's kind of like things build and then when it gets to be something like the the picture becomes clearer right it's like the pixels kind of start to mm-hmm. become clearer and clearer until finally you're like i see it and i realize where i need to go next um and that was really with my experience in art buddies leading art buddies um okay. and not so much with the kids that we were working with, but more so with the adults because we're a small organization. At times, I was the only employee at when we were fully staffed, we had three people. And so, but we had hundreds Are you the of empl- volunteers. How many employees do you have with 40 Mental Fitness right now? 40 Fit is just me right now. Okay. And I'm, I'm, my goal is to get to a point where I have a certification and I can kind of train other trainers. Okay. So like, sorry, sorry to take you away from your challenge, but it just made me want to ask no. that question. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so hopefully get getting there. Um, but yeah, right now it's, it's just kind of a, a solopreneur uh, enterprise, but trying to recruit adults to do creative art projects with kids really intimidated a lot of people. Um, especially because we were trying to reach out to creative professionals who maybe were designers or architects or photographers, but we, we, we would say there's no certain skill set that's needed to be a mentor, a creative mentor for a child. Cause really it's about fostering the child's abilities and you being there as a support system for them. But the number of adults that I had say, I can't do that. I I'm not creative. And I'm like, I bet when you were a kid, you thought you were creative, mm-hmm. but something something as we grow up, all of a sudden we put ourselves into a box. We've realized what we're either maybe good at or not so good at, which ultimately is what has been reinforced or not reinforced. What have we, what have we repeated or what haven't we repeated? Mm -hmm. Um, And so those things that we get, you know, so me as an artist too, I know in my childhood, I mean, that was my identity was in my creativity because I got so much reward and praise for it. That made me want to try harder it made me want to do it again and again and again. And I got so much joy from it. And when it became an occupation, the joy kind of got sucked, got sucked right mm-hmm. out of it. And then it became a limitation. People, I was told at one point by a manager, you know, you can't be a writer and a designer. Like that's just not, you can't do that. And like I said, fortunately, I was in an organization that saw my strengths in both of those areas and made that part of my job. Was so you got to both- be both. So I got to be both. Um, I mean, it made it a hard position to fill when I left because, you know, t- to have people who have the exact same skill set that you do is is not always possible. But for me, it was very empowering to realize, you know, you can utilize your strengths, you know, with whatever you're doing, like to not let how others perceive you and how others put you in a box limit your own self-perception of what you can do. And that was my experience with Art Buddies is I, you know, and when I got my personal training certification, the people who would say, you know, I need, I I am not good at this. I am, I need somebody to push me to take care of myself. It was, it was, what are the forces that are causing that mentality? Like mm-hmm. are, are, are a barrier to you feeling and doing your best to take care of yourself, to, to flourish, to do these things that might be challenging and scary, but you don't have to be afraid of failure, like embrace it because that's how we learn. And- Do you feel that Scott, like some people will simply like, yes, we can all be trained, but at the big end of the day, we have to want it. 
And if we don't want the transformation and we're happy with our status quo, even though we're not happy with status quo, um, like at the end of the day, you've got to do something about it. You have to be proactive and make that change. And so like, how do you deal with that? Do you, you know, have clients you're like, yeah, you're not ready for me yet because you need to be ready first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when I thought I want to reach the unreachable. Like I want to get to the people who really need this information. And then I realized they're not, they're not ready for it. And, Mm -hmm. and there's a stress response to it Mm -hmm. because it's basically somehow saying they don't know, or, you know, it, it can be taken as an offense when you come at people with information that they don't know, and maybe, maybe they don't understand it, or they're just not ready to hear it because, because they're dealing with something really stressful and really straining in life that they don't see an out. And that's another reason why I'm really looking to work with organizations to really cultivate the environment that is helpful and supportive and encouraging of people um, so that it's not just a, you know, put a smile on your face and think happy thoughts all the time because that's the magical cure and answer. But to really realize, you know, we're all carrying a lot of weight, a lot of stress in our lives, Mm -hmm. and we all need the support of our environment, of other people, and we can't do it alone. We're social creatures and our nervous system needs to feel safe and it needs to feel calm and rewarded and encouraged. We need that serotonin and dopamine to like you said, to even try to take care of ourselves. We need that motivation in the form of, unfortunately, we're stress-driven a lot of times. And and that's considered motivation, but all that is is fight or flight. Or what I say, you know, is fight, flight, or freeze, but really that freeze is your is your surrender. You know, you kind of just give in. You you conform or you comply. And that's the response of our stress our stress system when we don't feel we have an out, we just kind of give up. And unfortunately, a lot of us get to that point and we lose hope and that motivation to even try anymore. One of the things I think can help a lot is having somebody there, um, you know, Mm -hmm. supporting you. So Mm -hmm. who's been somebody in life who supported you and maybe given you some advice, whether you wanted it or not, I'm giving you some advice that like this has resonated with me. A lot of us as entrepreneurs, leaders have had that somebody in our life who either pushed us, whether they made us see reality that maybe we didn't want to see or help support us. Who's somebody in your life who's done that? Well, I mean, not to negate friends and friends in my immediate biological family, but for me, it's a huge one and major one, especially in the last several years, um, especially with mental fitness, my mental fitness journey has been my husband and, and the growth that he's done for himself, even just in our relationship and being diagnosed with ADHD, you know, in his thirties, um, you know, going back to college and just the work that he's done to that, that, you know, with my support, but in, but in turn, he supported me. So, I mean, just 
our relationship, I mean, it's it, not to um, sugarcoat it because I mean, relationships are hard. And so we have too, but I talked to a lot of heterosexual friends about this where, again, I almost want to bottle that up because we don't see each other as like, oh, you're a man or you're a woman or you're this or you're that. I'm going to put you in a box because this is how things are and blah, blah, blah. But as partners, we see each other as human beings and we see ourselves as influences on each other. And, you know, how how does what I do and how I think and how I treat him affect how he feels about himself and vice versa? And that he's even the type of person. So, I mean, that's obviously why we're married because he because he he gets it. But just that part of relationship building, I think, is so important. And a lot of times isn't really discussed just to see just to see our relationships as as fellow human beings, like as fellow neurological organisms without all of the little boxes and limitations and labels that we put on each other. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's just been so empowering. If I'm not feeling and doing my best, we have a conversation and I know, you know. Thanks so much, Scott, for sharing with us. Um, uh, I've, I've kept you on probably long enough, yeah, but no. I, I've enjoyed, I've really enjoyed visiting with you. I do. I think your yeah. philosophy of, of again, um, how you, maneuver through life and how you look at life and the goals that you're trying to help achieve for yourself, um, for your clients. And I wish you the best with your business because I completely understand the connection between the physical and the mental and how you can take the same steps in each to achieve this, this, this ultimate goal of us trying to be our best selves and to do it proactively. So I think what you have have going is worthy and valid. And thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today, teaching us and helping us to be our best versions of ourselves, whether we are the business owner, the employee, the the partner, uh, the parent, whatever it is, um, all of these tools are just that to try to make us uh, better as we go through this amazing thing we called life. So thanks for spending time with us on the art of seeing clearly, Scott. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for doing what you do. This is really an important conversation to have. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.